Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Minas Tirith Archives History of Middle-Earth podcast. I'm Phil, and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by Jessica Denboer. Thanks so much for your support, Jess. To start us off, we're going to go over this week in Middle-Earth history. The first day that has really anything of significance coming up will be Monday, June 22nd. That's where Bilbo returns home with his newly found ring in 2942. After that, Thursday in 3019, King Elisar finds the sapling of the white tree. In 3018, on Friday, Frodo announces his plan to leave Hobbiton for the first time. And lastly, Tuesday, June 30th, is when Elrond examines the swords that Thorin and company came across, as well as his map. And the next day, on the 1st, they leave Revendell. Alright, now on to the main topic. This week we will be going over Elrond, Arwen, and the rest of their family. Elrond was born in 532 of the First Age and was the half-elven son of Arendil and Elwing, the father of Arwen and the lord of Rivendell, who consistently fought against Sauron throughout the Second and Third Ages. Having been born in Beleriand towards the end of the First Age, Elrond ever opposed Sauron and strove against him throughout the Second Age, helping to bring about Sauron's defeat in the War of the Last Alliance as Gilgalad's herald. Elrond is described to seem ageless, resembling neither old nor young. However, one could see in his face the memories and experiences of thousands of years. He looked venerable, both like an old king, a wise wizard, and an experienced warrior in his prime. Elrond is described as dark-haired, while his eyes were gray, shining like starlight, and he could be seen wearing a circlet of silver. Elrond is one of the most prominent, significant, and recognizable people, having played a huge part with Thorn and company, as well as the Fellowship. He was critical to providing Thorn and company the information they needed to enter the Lonely Mountain, and his Council of Elrond brought about the creation of the Fellowship of the Ring, which ultimately resulted in the destruction of the One Ring, and the ultimate and final defeat of Sauron. His parents were Arendil and Elwing, making him half-elven. Arendil was the child of the mortal Tuor and the elf Idril, while Elwing was the grandchild of Varen, a man, and Luthien, daughter of the elf king Thingol and the Maya Melian. Elrond was descended from all three tribes of the elves, Vanyar and Noldor through Idril, Sindar through Luthien, Amaya, and all three houses of the Dane, Hador, Haleth, and Beor. Elrond was born at the Havens of Syrian late in the First Age. He also had a twin brother, Elros, who later became the first king of Numenor. When the sons of Fainor attacked the Havens of Syrian, Elwing was taken by Ulmo, the twins were carried off but later found near a waterfall, and they were named as such. Elrond was discovered in a cave. Taken captive by Maglor, they sub- 
who were subsequently raised by him. Following the War of Wrath, because of his half-elven heritage, the Valar gave Elrond and his brother a choice whether to be counted among the kindred of elves or men. Elrond chose, be, chose to belong to the firstborn, the elves, while Elros chose to become mortal. It was Elros who voyaged over sea to Numenor following the star of Arendil, whereas Elrond remained among the elves and carried on the lineage of King Elway. Elrond subsequently remained in Linden with Gilgalad, where he became known as a healer and loremaster. A fair being called himself Anatar, emissary of the Valar, came seeking entrance to Linden during the Second Age. Elrond and Gilgalad sensed that he was not what he seemed and denied him. Thankfully, they were correct, as was proven later in the War of the Elves and Sauron. In the Second Age of 1695, Gilgalad sent Elrond to aid Eregion. Elrond's forces unfortunately came too late and proved too small to defend Eregion. While Sauron sent most of his army west to attack Linden, he left a strong detachment behind to contain Elrond. In two years, Eregion was laid waste, and Elrond, along with the Noldor survivors, fled far north. There, he established the stronghold of Imladris. Many more refugees joined Elrond's host as Sauron ravaged Eriador during the course of the war. By Second Age 1700, Imladris, despite being besieged, was the only part of Eriador not under Sauron's control. It was liberated by Gilgalad's and Tarim Ministers' forces. After Sauron's defeat, a council was held at the time, establishing that Imladris should be maintained as an elvish stronghold and appointing Elrond as Gilgalad's vice-regent in Eriador, passing the ring Vilya to him. Elrond marched with Gilgalad in Elendil during the War of the Last Alliance, serving as Gilgalad's herald. He was present during the last battle of that war, witnessing the deaths of both Gilgalad and Elendil. When Isildur cut the One Ring from Sauron's hand at the conclusion of the battle, he and Círdan advised Isildur to destroy the Ring, but unfortunately Isildur refused their counsel as the Ring's was at max corruption ability and very quickly took over Isildur. Elrond subsequently returned to Rivendell, which prospered the coming years with the aid of the Ring of Air, Philia, that Elrond had, re that Elrond had received from Gilgalad. It has been argued that following Gilgalad's death, Elrond had the right to become High King of the Noldor, but he never actually claimed the title. Indeed, after the Second Age ended, there were very few Noldor left in Middle-earth for there to even be a king over them anyway. Following Isildur's death, Elrond received the shards of Narsil, which he preserved for many years. He began his long tradition of fostering the heirs of Isildur by helping to raise Isildur's son, Vilandil, who had been left in Rivendell during the War of the Last Alliance. In 109... Of the Third Age, Elrond married Celebrane, 
the daughter of Galadriel and Celeborn. Their first children were the twins Eladon and Elrohir, which were born in 130 of the Third Age, and their daughter Arwen in 241. During the late reign of Arvaleg I, Rivendell was besieged by Angmar after an incursion by Angmar into Eriador in the Third Age 1409, the elven folk of Rivendell joined those of Linden in subduing the power of the Witch King for many years. Centuries later, when the Northern Kingdom fell, Elrond took the other heirlooms of Arnor, the Scepter of the Numenas, and the Ring of Barahir into his keeping, holding them for the one who would eventually be able to reclaim the throne of Arnor. Elrond, along with the others of the wise, were joined by the wizard Gandalf, who was sent from the Valar from the west. As they decided, Gandalf invaded Dol Guldor. The necromancer withdrew, and the watchful peace began. In the Third Age, 2463, the wise formed the White Council, with the wizard Saruman as its head. Elrond was separated from his wife when she was taken by orcs. Their sons rescued her, but Elrond was unable to hear, heal her mentally. She decided to leave for the west in 2510. In 2851 of the Third Age, the White Council met again to decide on whether to act on Gandalf's discovery of the identity of the necromancer as Sauron, but Saruman dissuaded the others from acting upon Gandalf's revelation. In TA-2933, Elrond took Aragorn as his foster son in Rivendell, and had Arwen live in Lothlorien with her grandmother. Elrond named Aragorn Estel, meaning hope, and concealed his heritage from him until he came of age. When Aragorn became an adult, Elrond gave him the Ring of Barahir and the Shards of Narsil, foreseeing that Aragorn might be the one to claim the thrones of Gondor and Arnor. When Aragorn fell in love with Arwen, Elrond revealed to him that Arwen shared the choice of the half-elven, and that one of or the other of them would ultimately be parted from her forever. Elrond insisted that Arwen could not marry Aragorn until he became king of both Gondor and Arnor. In TA-2941, Elrond welcomed Thorin and company into his home, the last homely house before the wild in Rivendell. On Midsummer's Eve, the night before the dwarves, Bilbo and Gandalf continued on their journey eastward, Elrond examined the swords which they had found in the troll's cave. He read the runes and revealed that Thorin's sword was called Orchrist, the goblin cleaver, and that Gandalf's sword was named Glamdring, the foe hammer. He told them that they were elven swords from an ancient city called Gondolin, long ago destroyed. He then looked at Thror's map and found that they were moon letters. From the moon that of that Midsummer's Eve, he could read the words, Five feet high the door, and three may walk abreast, and stand by the gray stone when the thrush knocks and the setting sun with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole. This information proved vital for Bilbo and the dwarves to enter the Lonely Mountain through its secret entrance. So if you think about it, 
when you watch the scene in the movies where the dwarves are sitting around eating dinner and they're looking at the moon letters, there could have been or should have been a little eight-year-old Aragorn running around somewhere in Rivendell at the time. Anyway, during that same year, the White Council assailed Dol Guldor and finally rid Mirkwood of the necromancer's presence. Upon Bilbo and Gandalf's return to Rivendell, Elrond and the Grey Wizard discussed this and the events of the Lonely Mountain. They both agreed that it would be better if the necromancer were banished from the world altogether. The White Council last met in TA-2953, when Gandalf expressed his concerns that the One Ring was Bilbo's ring found in the Goblin Town. Saruman quieted him, insisting that the ring had been swept out to sea long ago. When Frodo first let the, left the Shire with the One Ring, it was always his intention to go to Rivendell to seek the advice of Elrond. Indeed, in his letter left at Bree, Gandalf counseled him to do so. Elrond ended up healing Frodo of his wounds sustained at Weathertop, and then Elrond hosted the feast that was held when Frodo recovered. Elrond presided at the Council of Elrond. During that meeting, he narrated what he knew of the history of Isildur and the Ring. He had identified Aragorn as the heir of Isildur, and when Frodo ultimately volunteered to carry the ring, Elrond affirmed that decision as correct. Elrond also appeared to have selected the members of the Fellowship other than Frodo and Sam, accepting Merry and Pippin reluctantly after some convincing by Gandalf. Later, Elrond sent his sons Elidon and Elrohir to join the Dunedain rangers who rode to Rohan to join Aragorn. Through Elrohir, Elrond advised Aragorn to take the paths of the dead. During the last debate, Elrohir supported Aragorn's decision to attack Mordor as a diversion to allow Frodo time to reach Mount Doom, saying that this was Elrond's advice. Following the War of the Ring, Elrond escorted Arwen to Minas Tirith for her marriage to Aragorn, and parted from her in great sorrow. Elrond was one of the elves who took the white ship to Valinor, along with Frodo, Gandalf, and the other ring bearers. The Third Ages end is marked by Elrond's departure. The name Elrond has been translated as Stardom and Vault of Heaven, recalling the glory of Menagroth, though at an earlier stage it was supposed to mean Elf of the Cave. His Quenya name was most likely Elrondo, isolated from the, from the patronymic Elrondil, meaning Daughter of Elrond. Celebrain was the wife of Elrond. She was an elf lady of Lothlorien and the daughter of Celeborn and Galadriel. As the wife of Elrond, she was also known as the Lady of Rivendell. She was the mother of Arwen and the twins Eladon and Elrohir. Her daughter would later marry Aragorn and become the queen of the reunited kingdom. The time and place of Celebrain's birth, whether by Lake Nanuil, or later in Eregion, or even later in Lorien, is unknown. However, Celebrain lived in Eregion, and later moved to Lorien, with her mother in 1350 of the Second Age. 
1701, she went to Rivendell with Galadriel, searching for Celeborn, where she first met Lord Elrond. Centuries later, they would marry in TA-109. Their first children, Elrond and Elrond, were born in TA-130 and Arwen in 241. Celebrine inherited the elf stone from her mother, which she later gave to Arwen. In TA-2509, on a trip to Lorien to visit her parents, she was waylaid by orcs in the Redhorn Pass of the Misty Mountains. She was captured and tormented, receiving a poisonous wound. Her sons rescued her, and she was physically healed by Elrond, but never, never fully recovered in mind or spirit, and no longer wished to stay in Middle-earth. She then left for the Grey Havens, and passed over the Great Sea the following year in 2510. Eladon and his twin brother, Elrohir, were the first children of Celebrain and Elrond. The first of the twins, Eladon, meaning Elfman, was named so as a token of their ancestry. They were descended from not only the noble houses of the Edain through their father, but also through the royal houses of the Eldar through their mother. The brothers were tall, dark-haired, and gray-eyed, and so much alike that only those who knew them very well could actually tell them apart. To Mariadoc Randybuck, their elven fair faces seemed neither old nor young, while in the gray company they wore cloaks of silver-gray over a bright male. After the rescue of their mother, and after she left Middle-earth, Eladon and Elrohir were filled with hatred of the orcs, more so than before, often riding against them with the northern Dunedain, and in 2933 they saw Arathorn II killed by orcs while hunting with him. In the early part of the War of the Ring, the brothers' role was mainly to scout the land and prepare the way for the Fellowship. Around November in TA 3018, they were sent by Elrond on a secret errand, passed down by the Silverlode into a strange country, and were the last to return to Rivendell in December. Later, they took a more active part. When Halbarad rode to Aragorn's aid with the Grey Company, Elidon and Elrohir accompanied them. They followed Aragorn through the Paths of the Dead, fought with him at Pelargir, and took part in the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, where they fought with stars bound to their brows. After the War of the Ring, little is known of the brothers' fate. They returned to their father's house at Rivendell, and remained there even after he passed across the sea. Like their sister Arwen, the sons of Elrond Half-Elven were granted the choice of whether to leave Middle-earth for the Undying Lands, or remain there and become mortal as men. So they chose, for a time at least, to stay in Middle-earth, for reasons that are unknown. Arwen Undolmiel, often called Arwen Evenstar, was the half-elven daughter of Elrond and Celebrain, and married to Aragorn II. She was considered to be the fairest of the children of Iluvatar, resembling Luthien of the First Age, who would never again appear in Middle-earth. Her romance with Aragorn was very reminiscent between the man Baron and the elf Luthien as well. Like Luthien, she also rejected her elven immortality to marry a man, Aragorn, and die with him. 
Arwen was born in 241 of the Third Age and was the youngest of her siblings. From her mother, she inherited the Elfstone, and as one of the half-elven, she shared the right of her father to choose her fate. She lived most of her life in Enladris or in Lothlorien with her grandparents. It was in TA 2952 when she returned from Lothlorien to Rivendell when she met a young foster son of her father, Aragorn. The young Dunedain fell in love with her at first sight. Though he was still in his youth, Arwen did not actually return his love. Elrond insisted that Arwen could not marry Aragorn until he became both the king of Gondor and Arnor. Whether Arwen chose to marry him and become mortal or remain with her kin as one of the elves, she would be parted from either her father or Aragorn forever. It was not until they met many years later in Lorien that Arwen finally returned Aragorn's love, and in TA 2980, Aragorn gave her the Ring of Barahir. In the years leading up to the War of the Ring, the Misty Mountains and all lands eastward became very dangerous. At the request of her father, she returned to Mladris in TA 3009. Arwen was later reunited with Aragorn when he brought the hobbits to Rivendell during the War of the Ring. She was present at the feast attended by Frodo, and later that night she and Aragorn spoke together. When the fellowship departed, Galadriel offered them gifts, Arwen's elven stone, elf stone given from Galadriel to Celebrain and Celebrain to Arwen, was the gift for Aragorn. He would wear the elf stone ever after. This giving held the function of a wedding gift from the family of the bride to the groom, foretelling his marriage to Arwen. Arwen wove the livery of Lendil and Aragorn from black cloth, decorated it with mithril, gems, and gold. She sent the banner with her brothers and a group of rangers of the north to Aragorn before he took the paths of the dead, hereby, thereby inspiring him to take the difficult path. The banner was unfurled at the Battle of Pelennor Fields to triumphantly announce the king's return. Arwen wed Aragorn after the War of the Ring, when Aragorn became king of the new reunited kingdom. Being this the third union of elves and men, Arwen chose a fate different from her father's and did not sail to the west. Instead, she gifted Frodo as a ringbearer passage in her stead, and she foresaw that his burden would not be lifted. She also gifted him with a necklace with a white gem. As Queen of Gondor, Arwen maintained a close connection with Gondor's allies, as did her husband. In the Fourth Age 22, she took as the maid of honor Eleanor Gardner, daughter of Samwise Gamgee. She was mother of one son, Eldarion, and at least two unnamed daughters. After Aragorn's death, Arwen departed from Minas Tirith and returned to abandoned Lothlorien. There she stayed for a time until she gave up her life in 4th Age 121 at Karen Amroth, and she was then buried there. Arwen was eventually was actually a very distant relative of Aragorn, being his first cousin 62 times removed. <laughs> By their marriage, the long sundered lines of the half-elven were joined. Their union, union also served to unite and preserve the bloodlines of the three kings of the High Elves, 
Ingwei, Finway, and brothers Olway and Elway, as well as the only line with Mayarin blood through Arwen's great-great-grandmother, Melian. Arwen means noble maiden in Sindarin, and also means greatly blessed in Welsh. The Quenya form of her name was not entirely certain, but in his Quenya greeting, Aragorn refers to her as again as Arwen, which suggests that the form Arwen itself is also coincidentally a valid, or at least understandable, Quenya translation. Her epasse, Undomiel, means even star, from Undomi, evening light, and El, star. She is also given the names of Elreniel and Elrondiel, both meaning daughter of Elrond in Sindarin and Quenya, respectively. So there you have it, the history of Lord Elrond and his family. Next episode, we will be going over Rivendell and the Misty Mountains. We do have one question from Chase McKinney saying, Dear Wise Wizard of Middle-Earth Archives. It's quite the title, and I'm flattered. If one ring, if the one ring held power over the other rings of power, were the lesser rings of power rendered useless, useless after the one ring was destroyed? Did they essentially become cool-looking jewelry in that alone? Yes. The elven rings were still taken to the Undying Lands by Elrond, Galadriel, and Gandalf. So we know they still wore them, and there was probably that small attachment they still had to them just because it had them for so long, even though the power had actually faded away when the one, one ring was destroyed. But to answer your question, yes, the once that main ring, the one ring, was destroyed, the power of all the lesser rings faded away. So don't forget, if you do want more content, check out our website, ministeriothearchives.com. Check out our Facebook page and our Facebook group, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. We have a Discord, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. And we now offer lots of cool memorabilia and stuff. If you go to tpublic.com, T-E-E, P-U-B-L-I-C dot com, and you search for History of Middle-Earth Podcast, should take you right to our store, and we have two main designs right now, one's just our logo, one's a cool Tolkien quote with the shard of Narsil in the background, um, you can get it on t-shirts, mugs, bags, masks, um, pretty much whatever you want now, and it's, it's all made to order. Unfortunately, the sale for everything has that T Public offered has ended, so everything's back up. But it's not that expensive, um, even though there's a middleman now um, that makes everything. But yeah, go there and see if there's anything you like. And that is it for this week's episode. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know how we did. If you have a complaint or advice, be sure to let us know. Um, as well so we can add it in or fix it and again if you have any questions you can get a hold of us through any way either our email ministeriothearchives at gmail.com through our facebook page or our website as well don't forget to swing over to an unexpected podcast and give those guys a like and follow as well 
Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you back next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to History of Middle-Earth Podcast. <laughs>